episode 87 Hey Love Podcast. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging you, the reflective woman, in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces through the grid of God's grace. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love. My name is Carthy Masters. Welcome to the show. I've been anxious to tell you about the parenting panel that I served on a couple of days ago. But first, I want to say I really have enjoyed hearing from some of you about coaching. I'm so excited to be conducting a few inquiry calls with a few of you precious women this week. I'm really having a blast doing the training through Professional Christian Coaching Institute. Try saying that three times fast. Professional Christian Coaching Institute. Professional Christian Coaching Yeah. I'm getting used to, um, I'm not getting used to saying it, obviously, but I'm getting to know the nicest people on the planet in this training. It's been so good. So, uh, about the panel. It's sort of an end-of-the-year tradition for a sweet group of moms at Fellowship Bible Church here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Salute! That's an old hee-haw joke. Do you remember hee-haw? No? Of course not. You weren't even born yet. It was this variety show back in the 70s. <laughs> anyway, I'm feeling a little bit distracted now, I gotta tell you, because it's sunny out and it's like 70 degrees and it's really windy and I love me some wind. I'm crazy about it. And I'm hearing all sorts of bird songs, even from inside my linen closet. It's so great. It's like, squirrel. So my apologies for that. Anyway, we had a ball doing this panel. There was a room full of women. It's um, actually, it's a barn. Our church, we call it Big Church. It's the main campus in Brentwood. And we were there at the very beginning when this church was first built. Uh, Basically, this campus was built on a, um, it used to be a horse farm. And it was a little nostalgic for me to be there at this Moms Together gathering this week because almost 20 years ago, I was at the first Moms Together gathering in that very same barn. And honestly, I never even thought that when I was one of the participants that it would, that things would actually change, that my littles would ever grow into real people someday, you know, into a 23-year-old and a 19-year-old. That's never going to happen. That's just impossible. There's no way. But now here we are. Oh my goodness. Ten minutes have passed, it seems like. Also on the panel, there were two other women, a couple of dear friends of mine that I've known for a long time. Heather Carty, you are going to love hearing from her. And the other woman on the panel was actually on the podcast back in season one, Diane Belbeck, who has been one of my mentors for nearly a decade. Have you heard her interview yet? It's a two-parter, episode six and seven. Diane, oh, I love that woman. She is such a hoot. In fact, her episodes are called Laughing at the Days Ahead. That depicts her so well. That really captures the essence of who she is. It was very humbling being up there on this panel with these two women at the Moms Together gathering. Here I have a daughter about to graduate high school, and I'm wondering what just happened. I'm sitting there on the platform on the other side of the barn this time, just in front of the stage, answering questions as if I know what I'm talking about. It was so bittersweet for me to be there 
But then, to top it off, two of my dearest friends popped in the back to silently cheer me on. Then three of us went out afterwards for a blaze pizza to celebrate. Yum. Nikki and Lauren, it was so sweet to see you guys. Thank you for your smiling faces. It meant the world to me to have you there. Well, you know, love, I thought about recording our whole panel discussion. I thought that will be really valuable content for my listener. It was so rich, but there were some parts that were a little bit personal, and we didn't want to break confidentiality with the attendees there, of course. That group was so amazing. I got to tell you, these were some dear, dear young women, and they were so receptive and appreciative of the content that we were bringing them. They, They were taking notes through the whole thing, And they even asked their director, Marty Schwederman, if they could skip their small group time just so we could keep going with the questions and answers. We were blown away by them. And it really was evidence that we are striking a chord here. And, you know, it really, it reinforced my beliefs that I have about women needing other women, which is one of the key points that we covered. You know me, I see everything through that grid of relationship. And I believe it's, you know, I believe it's what we were created for. So I, uh, my main theme through all my answers was interdependence over independence. And, you know, I really feel for our children to learn what it means to to live interdependently. We have to be living interdependently. That's something that's caught, not just taught. I'd say that was clearly a main overarching theme to all my answers. And I think I probably sounded like a broken record to these poor girls. Another point I tried to drive home was there's no right way to do any of this. So, you know, don't reach for perfection in your parenting. That simply cannot be the end goal. Chip Dodd says we're all like giraffes on ice. I love that image. (laughs) Clumsy is as good as it gets here. You know, my takeaway from his book, Parenting with Heart, so far is it ain't going to be pretty or perfect. Just get in there, engage with them at a heart level. Do your own work so that you can really meet them at their heart level. I confess to the women that I'm speaking more from my mistakes and failures uh, more than a place of expertise. And that's really what they wanted, I think. So it was really fun. And hey, before I jump to the questions and and some of the answers, I want to thank you. If you were one of the ones who sent in your answer to a question that I posed on Instagram this week and over text, what do you wish you could tell the younger mom version of yourself? Several of you shot me messages, and I loved reading through those answers. I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And today, I'm just going to kind of consolidate those along with my notes from the panel discussion. And I'll read one of the questions first. So without further ado, okay, first question, how do you discipline kids in different stages? Here's what I have to say about that. When you're disciplining your child, I encourage you to think connection over correction. Start with this end goal in mind. We want to prepare them not just for life, but for life beyond this life, right? Ask yourself, do we want well-behaved 
robots? Or do we want kids who grow into loving, caring, empathetic, capable adults who want to come back home later when they're grown and they really don't have to? We talked a bit about the early stages of child development. I've heard them called different things. One school of thought calls them disciplining, training, coaching, and friendship. So during the uh, early years, the disciplining years, that's zero to five years old, that's a lot more of your hands-on. You know, we teach our kids there are consequences to your behavior. And then during the training years, that's five to 12 years old, you can give them more of the why behind the what. There's a lot more conversation happening. This is what our family expects, and this is why we have rules, stuff like that. As you move toward the latter stages of development, think of your role more as coach. You kind of move to the sidelines, like in a soccer game, and you don't freak out when they tell you about the crazy things they do. You got to put on a poker face, bite a hole in your tongue if you have to. Just don't overreact, whether the news they bring is bad or good even. I'm telling you, they're, they're going to keep talking and letting you in if you, if you learn to keep your cool. And you empathize with them as they get older and the natural consequences start to fall. You get in there with them and, and you let them know that you're a safe place. Oh man, that's a bummer. That's with language. You're not against them. You're not me against you. You want to convey, I am on your team, son. I'm on your team, daughter. Oh, bummer. Okay, you were, you're late. Okay, 15 minutes today. Uh, you're 15 minutes late past your curfew. Okay, that means tomorrow your curfew is going to be 15 minutes earlier. Then um, the next night, if you get home on time, then your curfew, you get your curfew back. But all of this has, you got to understand, has to be discussed early, way back in advance, before the thing, before the thing happens. Deuteronomy 6-7 tells us, when you're sitting at home and when you're walking down the road, while you lie down and when you get up, that's when you impress these statutes on your kids' hearts. These are all times of peace, away from the tension and the conflict. For me, disciplining was a train wreck at first. I bought every how-to book and ended up throwing them all against the wall at one point or into the fireplace or out the window because nothing worked. I felt like the biggest failure as a mom. If you find that typical consequences and restrictions don't work with your child, consider the possibility of a physiological imbalance that they can't control. They have no control over it. I made so many mistakes in my life, especially when it comes to this disciplining part of parenting. You know, I would correct my kids on things and shame them. Oh, I think back and I'm so embarrassed and just, I have lots of regrets. When I read in Karen Purvis's work that she wrote called The Connected Child, she actually just passed away last year. But that workbook that she wrote has been a lifeline. And that's where I learned that it's actually better to have a rupture and go back and repair than to do it perfectly right the first time. That really gave me hope. And you know what, love? It turns out that the statute of limitations on asking forgiveness is never. 
<laughs> when you ask your child to forgive you for something you did or said, brain scientists have found that there's a visible change going on in the neurological activity inside both you, both your child's brain, and inside your brain. And it causes all kinds of deeper connections after you've had a repair. So that can look as simple as saying just, you know, I messed up. I'm so sorry for hurting you. Will you please forgive me for the way I did that and give me a redo? That's empirical evidence that God is bigger than all your mistakes. Amazing. And a wise woman once told me, God's arm is never too short to reach anybody, anywhere, anytime. He loves your kids more than you ever could. So be encouraged, love. God uses your mistakes. It, it don't got to be pretty or perfect. He's writing their stories just like he's writing yours and mine. He's bigger than all your mistakes. His name is Redeemer. Okay, the next question. One of the moms asked, My husband and I have different parenting styles. He says that I'm too soft and I feel he's too harsh. Well, this really is a marriage question, which which all of us on the panel were really excited about, because really, the best thing you can give your kids is a solid partnership with your spouse. I don't want to go without acknowledging that um, some of you are single moms and you have the hardest job of all, but in this particular situation, we were addressing married women talking about marriage. In our case, in, in my marriage, I was the harsh parent. My default was not pretty. In fact, one time, our daughter, who had just gotten here from India, she was all of maybe almost five. She hit her head on a doorknob, and it was a pretty hard hit. You know, the house had wood floors where we were. We were eating dinner at a friend's house. And the dinner party, um, there was like 10 different people, but everybody stopped talking. And for a minute, there was just silence because... My daughter just softly wept and just held her head. And you could tell she was in a lot of pain because, I mean, it was a loud knock. Like it, you could hear it all through the downstairs part of this house. And it kind of echoed like she walked right into that door. It was awful. And what she did was walk all the way around the dining table past me, past all the other adults to her dad. He was sitting on the opposite end of the table, and she, it was like she knew where to go to get what she needed in the way of nurture, and it wasn't here in her mom. She knew that I was not the nurturing one, but my friend saw the whole thing play out, and she asked me about it away from the dinner party. Like I think she waited till the next day. It was so kind of her and gracious, but her mirroring back to me what happened really helped me see that I needed help. That was one of the things that led me to go to a counselor and just say, you know what? Something is broken inside me. My kids need something from me that I I just don't know how to give them. So I needed to do my work first, my heart work, and They helped me, my counselor and my friend helped me name. I had to learn how to nurture. I had to learn how to um, make eye contact and and be a soother, you know. I didn't know how to do any of that. And I learned that encouragement is more effective than shaming words. (laughs) That sounds really basic, I know. But I really had to learn how to do that from scratch. 
And if your husband doesn't feel too keen on counseling, getting help around that, I would ask you to pray about coaching and maybe even bring that up to him because men tend to feel a lot more comfortable with the idea of coaching. And I know lots of well-trained coaches who can help a couple using all sorts of tools like Enneagram and Strength Finders and all kinds of personality assessments. I also do Symbus, which is save your marriage before it starts. As for like pre-marrieds and even younger couples, I mean, even before you um, have children, it's, you know, like we said at the top, marriage, a good, healthy, communicative, open-hearted marriage is the best gift you can give your children. Also, Heather on the panel said something really wise about the importance of simplifying the family schedule. She quoted Dallas Willard's famous saying in a uh, conversation that he was having with John Ortberg, who was one of my who's one of my favorite authors of all time. Willard told John, "Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Think about how many times you say the word hurry to your kids." When I look back on my life with littles, I remember to, I remember thinking, I'm telling them to hurry even when I'm not in a hurry. I don't even need to be in a hurry right now. It's just it's just a habit that we fall into. My daughter especially loved picking flowers and instead of getting down and enjoying the flowers with her, I would tell her to hurry up, get in the car, get in your car seat, grab your bag, you know, get your shoes on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. So regrets, yeah, I have a few. But I'm telling you again, love, it's never too late to apologize. I've said I'm sorry to my kids about so many different things. And do you know the percentage of times they've forgiven me? A hundred percent, without fail. They have forgiven me every single time I've asked. Another big question asked of the panel revolved around work. An honest confession from one of the moms. I really don't like staying at home with my kids. I'd really rather be at work. And I struggle with discontent in my home. My house absolutely drives me crazy. This one really resonated with me. I said, I get this. A woman's soul is so closely tied to her home. Our last home was a money pit. Everything was always broken. It was a constant state of chaos and crisis. I would walk around in certain rooms and emotionally just sink. There was just this feeling of dread, but I felt right at home there. It's exactly what I wanted. (laughs) And we lived there for 15 years because it matched what was going on inside my own soul. Now, if this sounds crazy to you, it is. I know it sounds crazy. It should sound crazy to you. It's totally confusing. But if it makes perfect sense or if it resonates with you, I would ask you to maybe explore that discontent with a friend or coach or counselor if you haven't done that already. It could lead to some really great healing, some deep healing. One of the mantras on my podcast, you hear me say it all the time, interdependence over independence. I've told you in my culture, it was very typical for women. My aunties did life together and they shared the load. They would go two by two, um, you know, two would go off to the market, two would go off to the clinic to see patients because for goodness sakes, of course, they were all doctors. It wasn't until I was in the throes of a nervous breakdown that I, I finally realized the system that I'd always made fun of, it really worked. I mean, dysfunction, yes, there was that, but there was a beauty also 
And I had been trying all this time to do parenting on my own for a number of reasons, but mainly because I thought, you know, I'm an American now. I got to do it the American way. So how am I all my American friends do it? But, oh, I missed out. I missed out on the interdependence. I wasn't living that yet. So I had to really mess things up for a number of years before I realized the importance of that interdependence or independence. A close friend of mine does work in short bursts, and and she says it makes her a better wife and mom. So I would suggest maybe trade with another mom. Um, And if you're doing interdependence, you know, you could trade with her for maybe one or two days a week and get a shot in the arm. Because I got to tell you, for me, it was a lot easier for me to go to work than to stay at home. I got paid. I got told thank you. And you know, affirming words are my jam. So I'm the chief of wanting to be at work when my littles were at home. I'd rather pay somebody to take care of them. But I heard this saying, the greatest contribution that you ever make to the world might not be what you do, but who you raise. Andy Stanley said that. And he also said, don't give up what's unique to you to do something somebody else can do. The only role that's really unique to you is being your kid's mom, is being mom to that two-year-old. That said, even some stay-at-home moms can miss their kids, like yours truly, again. And there's, just remember, love, there's not a right or wrong way to do this. It's between you and your husband and the Lord. So pray for guidance in this. Keep that conversation ongoing. And in keeping with my interdependence theme, I encouraged the moms to reach out to somebody at their table before they leave that morning. I said, if you haven't already exchanged numbers with somebody in this room yet, please, I implore you to do that right now before you leave today for support, for prayer, for kid trades. Just don't do life alone. I told them, don't do marriage alone. Don't do parenting alone. And I would say the same to you today. The last question was about boundaries with technology and dating. We had to combine a couple of the questions for sake of time, so this was a hard one. This particular mom had who asked the question about dating had a middle school girl. You know, it's interesting when I look at how technology has affected the dating process. When I was 16, I mean, that's when I first started you know, really dating, like actually going out on a date in a car. The boy would call my house and ask my mom if he could speak to me. Isn't that wild? Like you couldn't even get past go without talking to one of the parents in the house. And now it's just so vastly different. No wonder Bill Gates wouldn't allow his kids to have an iPhone until they were I think 14. And Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs restricted tech use too. His close friends have said that his kids would be some of the few who opted out of using iPads in school. Isn't that wild? In my research, I found out that an 8th grader's risk for depression jumps 27% when he or she frequently uses social media. And kids who use their phones for three hours a day or more are much more likely to be suicidal. And recent studies have found that the teen suicide rate in the U.S. now eclipses the homicide rate. Smartphones are the driving force behind that, they say. Wow. Because of these findings, 
there's a number of specialty schools popping up all over like the Waldorf School in Silicon Valley. They're designed to be low-tech on purpose. They use chalkboards and number two pencils. Instead of learning how to code, these kids are being taught the soft skills of cooperation and respect. Kids are learning creativity by building things and attending classes in a treehouse. Doesn't that sound amazing and refreshing? I want to go sit in a treehouse right now. Going back to the other part of this last question, during the later stages of development, the training and coaching years, as as tech does kind of cross over into dating, um, I advise the women that father figures really need to speak into these issues more and more. If dad's not putting his arms around his daughter, daughter's going to go run into the arms of the first boy who looks her way again, like yours truly. She really needs to see the bar set high by her dad. And natural consequences work here really well as they get older again. More freedom equals more responsibility. We didn't really monitor the tech use very much. Probably should have more. But now I would say this. Honor is of utmost importance. If you do something stupid or dishonoring to somebody or have post-regret, we could help you make it right. You know, we would tell our kids, uh, you're not in this alone. We can help you. This is all about the idea of disciplining toward relationship. We don't want to distance our kids. We don't want to cause resentment in them. We want to teach them the importance of honoring relationships. So, yeah, we could have taken the phone away, but a lot of times those consequences just made them better at hiding, you know? So when one of my kids did say something stupid... (laughs) or dishonorable on their brand new iPhone, because, you know, they're too young to be carrying around these things with the world at their fingertips, and their brains are not developed yet, and it's just too much for them, and they're bound to say something stupid when somewhere along the way. We had started by that time to discipline toward relationship. There's an objectivity to that. You're conveying that you're on the same team trying to beat this behavior. Does that make sense? So it's a whole paradigm shift. So instead of taking the phone away, which only produced distance and resentment, we had that child go apologize to the father of the other person. (laughs) And I think it was very effective. He never did it again, as far as we know, anyway. A good resource for you all to check out is Brian Hausman. Um, His website is called Tech Savvy Parenting. Um, And there's all kinds of great information on there. He does a regular blog. But if you go on the website, I would encourage you to request a seminar in your kid's school. Great, solid teaching. And as with so many things, love, the best treatment for um, boundaries with tech is prevention. It's important to do your own heart work again and be grounded in who you are. Then and only then, remember, you can help guide your child with powerful questions and help lead them to their own identity in Christ. This is so important. So I suggested some of my favorite recovery systems. Celebrate Recovery, um, ACA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics, and a Bible study called Gospel Transformation. You've heard me talk about a lot on here, and we've had several guests mention it on here as their favorite Bible study. Chip Dodd's Parenting with Heart is also such a great resource, and How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. That's a great book. I'll have all these resources listed for you in the show notes, so you don't have to write them down while you're kayaking down the 
River. And I pray that you find grace and support on your parenting journey. Remember, don't do life alone. It doesn't have to be pretty or perfect. Do your own heart work and get help for cultivating an open, healthy, communicative marriage. That's the number one best gift you can give your kids. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this recap of our mom's panel discussion. If you have any questions about things I said or didn't say here, please reach out and let me know. Also, I've really enjoyed hearing from some of you about coaching. So excited to be conducting a few inquiry calls this week. We've got booked. And if you'd like to book your free inquiry call, please email me at heylovepodcast at gmail.com. And if it does feel like a good fit, maybe I'll get to coach you through a dream or a goal or a transition in your life. I would love that. I would love nothing more because there's nothing more fun than using the gifts that God has given you to help build the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, whenever you use the word gift, you know, don't be afraid to use that word because you're attributing it, you're attributing it to someone else. The second you say, this is a gift, you're boasting on the giver, right? Because like my sweet friend Mariah gave me a a scarf. It's just beautiful. It's from India when she was on a trip. So when I wear that scarf and somebody compliments me on it, which I get compliments every single time I wear it, I tell them, oh, my friend Mariah got me this scarf. It was a gift. Isn't it beautiful? Do you know Mariah? I'm trying to get her to do an interview on the podcast because she's got such a story to tell. She's a cancer survivor, and man, she would be great on here. Do you know her? Have you met her yet? I'm totally boasting on the giver of the gift, right? That's the same thing. So what are your gifts? I would love to know that. Right now, um, I'm offering a deep discount for coaching because you'd be helping me get my practice hours for my certification. It would be an absolute blast. So shoot me an email if this sounds enticing to you. That email address again is heylovepodcast at gmail.com. Write me and tell me what's going on, what's on your heart. Let's set up that free call and get you started in some one-on-one coaching. Well, I'm off to study now. That's a wrap for me. Till next time. I love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. One of the mantras on my podcast you hear all the time me saying is one of the mantras, one of the mantras on my podcast, you hear me say it all the time, interdependence.